really organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Oh, hi, Kelly. Okay, so you know how in life every once in a while you get just a, a beautiful surprise? Like if you go into a pair of pants that you haven't uh, worn in a while and there's like a $20 bill in there? Oh, yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I've been there, old friend. Yeah, or you uh, come home from work and you're hungry and you've forgotten you've got like a half a pizza oh, left yeah. in the fridge. That would be sweet. Like, it's just, oh, my God. Well, we've got that kind of feeling, at least I do, on this story right here. The goodness that we enjoyed with the Sebastian Bach-Chris Jericho Twitter war continues. Yes, it does. And uh, <laughs> we, we joined this in progress where we left off. I'm yep. sure it will continue through the weekend and we'll be, you know, updating you as... Sure. Things change. Now, where did we leave things off? Uh, we left things off at about 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they had established that Sebastian was trying to contact Chris Jericho. He had messaged his phone several times to confirm that a sing-off would be happening. And that's yes. kind of where we left things. Yeah. And it started innocently enough. There was compliments back and forth. And then Sebastian Bach, out of nowhere, accused Jericho of lip-syncing. And then... <laughs> And it went from there. If you haven't listened to yesterday's Classic Rock Files, I insist you go back before you continue any further here to get the full story because it really is worth it as we trace, tweet by tweet, the timeline of events. Oh, yeah. This now continues here. I guess we missed it yesterday, at least I did, when Bach said that Chris Jericho doesn't do what I do. I don't recall that from the first flurry of tweets. But then another Twitter user challenged that, and Bach doubled down said, quote, yes, sing live. He does not do what I do. Wrestling is fake. I know it makes you mad. And then yesterday we talked about Rich Ward, who was in Fozzie with Chris Jericho. Oh, right. And Rich Ward, um, Sebastian Bach blocked Rich Ward and then posted the picture of him blocking him and said, so this guy calls me sad, and I would really like to know why. I'm not sad at all. I'm happy that you guys get to live your fantasy of rock and roll, but please don't pretend that you do what I do. Are we supposed to pretend that this is live? Come on, man. And okay. they post a Facebook link to Chris Jericho performing with Fozzie. Okay. So then another Twitter user jumps in and asks Sebastian Bach why he won't let it go and says Sebastian is making himself look like a bitter prick. To which Sebastian Bach responded, I am a bitter prick. You know, I got to hand it to him. That is a good comeback. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone knows. You can't hide it at this point, Sebastian. Exactly. So he says, I am a bitter prick. Next tour, I'll get the tapes out and be a really nice guy. Singing is hard. If you're going to fake it, you don't deserve to be in a category with somebody who does it for real. And, of course, people prodding him along the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Dave LaGreca, who is involved in the wrestling industry, decided to say, just for the record, having seen both live, I am Jericho better than Sebastian Bach. And Sebastian Bach will, of course, reply to that. Yep. If there's one single clip of Chris Jericho singing live on the internet, please post it. Would love to see just one clip. And someone replies to that thread, legit singing live, sorry dude. And he, of course, bursts out laughing. If you think that this is live singing, I am never going to sing live again in concert. This could not be more fake if it was a cartoon. <laughs> and then somebody else jumped on Sebastian and just said, look, this whole thing is happening because you fired the first shot, which is true. So a self-proclaimed Sebastian Bach fan tweeted to his guy, said, you're an asshat for firing the first shots in this war. So Sebastian Bach comes back to his own fan saying, hey man, F you. I've spent my life learning how to sing live on stage. When someone comes along and mimes to a tape, it sucks for the rest of us that don't. You want to go see a wrestling match? Good. Don't call it rock and roll. And of course, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so baffled at this whole thing at this point. Um, Dee Snider jumps in. Well, yeah. 
and uh, not really ripping on anybody per se, but just messaging with Sebastian that he supports the idea of all real, zero tapes, zero lies, zero mimes, that live singing is the way to go. And he says, F yeah. So he's on board with sure. the live singing. now. And by the way, you and I are on board with that as well. Correct. Unless you're doing some kind of an award show or the Super Bowl, you know, you should probably be singing live. So this is all going to come down to the sing-off, which again was part of the first flurry uh, a couple of days ago. And this is when Jericho said, Baz is a great singer, but I'm... I'm better. He said, I've never mimed anything ever. I will effing sing in your face anytime, anyplace, dude. I've been a fan and a defender of you since day one, but don't you ever question my rock abilities. And then Bach replied, you're, you're full of shit, bro. Check your texts. Set up the sing-off. I'm ready when you are. So it is on. This is the only red flag I have about the entire scenario. Okay. Because, you know, Jericho's a wrestler. Yep. Uh, we we saw him a couple of months back in AEW trying to work with Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't be the first celebrity thing that Jericho has done, and what better way to tie in the uh, rock and roll persona you have than to do something in wrestling with a rock and roll star, Sebastian Bach. He would like the attention, you know, <laughs> to be on television. Jericho's a heel in wrestling, so yeah. Sebastian Bach would actually get to play the babyface for once, or at least be in the corner of a babyface that Jericho's feuding with. Sure. And then they could do this sing-off live on TNT. So it's possible that this whole thing is just a ruse to just suck us in either for publicity, wouldn't be the first time, or something else. So you and I are going on the record right now as saying, that is on our radar here. We're not entirely convinced that this is real. And I'm down for it. If it ends up being a work and we've worked ourselves into a shoot and then worked ourselves from a shoot back into a work, I'm fine. I'm a part of everything here and I just like being entertained. So whether it's fake or real, I mean, I like wrestling, which isn't real, but I'm entertained. So this is for me. Either way, let me go on the record right now as saying, I hope this never ends. Switching gears here to the passing of a couple of players well-known in the rock industry. The first one, keyboardist Phil Ashley, who racked up credits with KISS. Mick Jagger, Aerosmith, and Jeff Beck passed on July 10th at the age of 65. No reason given, but this guy was one of those guys in the background who worked with a ton of people, did some great work, and was beloved. Yeah, and it's so nice that we can stop down and kind of shed some light on people's work who you've heard over the years, but you might not know their name. Uh, Phil Ashley is definitely one of them. Uh, Very close with Paul Stanley of KISS. Paul posted on his Twitter that he was at a loss for words saying, quote, my dear friend Phil Ashley has died suddenly. He was a no bullshit, warm and kind soul who I shared so many hours talking with about the value of life, family and music. He played keyboards for many of the greats. The times we won't have leaves me empty. And you mentioned some of the names that he worked with, uh, leaving college to tour with Rupert Holmes initially, the Pina can, Colada guy. We can't hold that against him. Well, it no, was, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> exactly. And then he became a session player, playing on Billy Idol's 1986 album Whiplash Smile, Aerosmith's late 80s singles Dude Looks Like a Lady and Ragdoll, mm-hmm. Mick Jagger's 1987 solo album Primitive Cool, played with Debbie Harry, Tina Turner, Joe Satriani, Chicago. This may be a typo, but it also says Yoko Ono. Although Yoko's put out several albums over the years and pretty well-reviewed albums. So Yoko Ono on the list as well. He worked with a lot of people. Session players very diverse. And I mentioned Paul Stanley earlier. He had a close relationship with Kiss. He actually grew up with Paul back in Queens when they were young and played on 1987's Crazy Nights, their 1988 single Let's Put the X in Sex, two tracks from 1989's Hot in the Shade, and was even a groomsman in Paul Stanley's first wedding party. Hmm. I said first wedding party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there were multiple, of course. Sure, of course, yeah. 
the starter wedding and then beyond that. Oh, the uh, Tom McGoran special, as we call it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, sure. McGoran would agree. <laughs> yeah. McGoran would agree. So, Phil Ashley gone. And another guy who maybe you've never heard the name of, but uh, again, a luminary and very well-respected drummer, Jamie Oldeker. His career included stints alongside Eric Clapton and Peter Frampton. He passed as well and as well in his 60s, 68 years old in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, and he battled cancer in recent years. And when you say a stint with Eric Clapton, people will think a couple albums. Yeah. But he started playing with him in 1974 on his album 461 Ocean Boulevard. That would be the first of 11 Eric Clapton albums to feature him on drums, a list which includes his pinnacle album, Slow Hand. Clapton said, quote, he was the best snare sound I've ever heard. He was the best restrained fills I've ever heard. And his bass drum is solid as a rock. He's unique, and the pocket is always perfect. The kind of man he is matches his drums. That drumming was so good that Peter Frampton actually said, I want this guy to be in my band. And the drummer would appear on several of Frampton's albums and also tour alongside him. And here's an interesting thing about him, didn't know this, actually uh, founded the country rock group The Tractors, whose self-titled debut album sold more than 3 million copies and earned two Grammy nominations. So pretty good. A I'll guy who's uh, played on quite a few different people's uh, bands and work and uh, made a good name for himself. Speaking of health, we all know that uh, it's been touch and go for Ozzy, at least it was a year ago, uh, with all of the problems that he was having. But don't count him out because Sharon just appeared on Steve-O's podcast and said that there is still a whole lot happening, including the possibility of a second album. And we've been speculating on whether he ever gets back to a tour or whether he even performs again. We're getting a little bit of a glimpse of what that might look like. Seems so long ago already, but hard to believe that Ordinary Man, Ozzy's latest album, was actually released this year, in 2020, earlier this year. Yeah, January. It feels like a 2019 thing, <laughs> but again, time is just moving so quickly in a way, Yeah, and uh, everything's a blur. Uh, so he is back working, writing with Andrew Watt, who produced that record. They've been talking about that for a little while. Sharon confirmed that's happening, and then said that as far as performing goes, he has to end it his way. She said it was his farewell tour that he was on, but he still had a year to do of that tour, and there were seats sold for the next year, but the accident stopped it all. He said it's not going to end like that. It's going to end his way. He's going to go back out, and even if it's just one huge show to say goodbye, he's going to do it. And I think that's probably the odds-on favorite as to what the scenario is going to be. I just don't see Ozzy touring again. One, maybe two or three shows, maybe sort of uh, Pink Floyd, the Wall 1980 situation where he does maybe New York and... Minneapolis or Chicago and Los Angeles or something like that. Uh, I think that's far more likely as either one big show or a couple of shows in a couple of cities, and then he hangs it up. Yeah, and I, you know what? I honestly think uh, the state the world is in right now that we probably aren't likely to see Ozzy out until 2022, most likely. Yeah, probably. And uh, I think, honestly, if you're talking about you know getting the economy going and people traveling around the United States... That Vegas thing we've talked about makes a lot of sense for him to set up in Vegas for about a month and play a couple of shows a week and allow people to travel to Vegas to see him play in a set atmosphere where he doesn't have to move. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to face the rigors of the road. They can set him up with a nice penthouse suite. He can mm -hmm. hang out and do his thing or just you know fly back and forth from where he lives uh, to do these shows and just nestle in so people can come and see him rather than he going to all these different cities. Now, going back to the beginning of this pod, talking about lip syncing, we don't hear Ozzy's real voice anymore on record and live probably not. Is he maybe one artist that maybe people who don't want to see lip syncing or augmented vocals might see? Do you think they'd make an exception to see Ozzy one more time? For myself, who's seen Ozzy before, I wouldn't. Right. Um, because I've I've seen 
Um, but if you've never seen him, if you're a young kid that just got into Blizzard of Oz or just got into Black Sabbath, yeah, I would go because it's Ozzy and you should see him one time. Sorry, give him a pass on that one? You know, you just have to know the bill of goods you're getting before mm-hmm. you're going in. Ozzy's not out there saying he's singing live and he has no effects on his voice and that sort of thing. But So you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's, it's another thing to go and see somebody who prides themselves on singing live and brags about singing live and then you go out and it is a tape so you know what you're getting with ozzy it's going to be a good show you're going to know all the songs and uh, if you've never seen them before it's kind of one of those things that yeah this isn't prime ozzy but it's what we have to work with right now so it's just a matter of if you're a person that really care i mean that's why all these bands whether it be guns and roses or Metallica, or the Rolling Stones, or the Who, or whoever it is, the long list, the Black Crows, they get back together, they still tour years and years and years after they first came out, because the fan bases keep growing, they keep adding new people, and there are people that haven't seen them and want to see them. So, yes, you're not getting the primetime version, but people understand that going in. It's just a matter of, hey, I want to see this person live. Yeah, a lot of them are bucket list shows. Yeah. I totally get that, and uh, just because something wasn't necessarily, oh, this isn't prime Ozzy Osbourne, doesn't mean you're not going to have a good time. If you can sing all the songs, you don't really care about the vocal quality necessarily, because you're going to be singing and enjoying the atmosphere. Have a good time. As long as he can still stumble around the stage and throw up the horns, that's a big part of it. What are you paying for at this point, right? Exactly. You're paying for the hits, and he's going to deliver them in some form or fashion. Yeah. I'd like to know Sebastian Bach's take on that. But If you probably... ask him, he'll give it to you. Oh, I know it will. It'll probably come up at Let's some point. Let's see if he gets into a feud with Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, oh, or that... better yet, Sharon. That'll be fun. Oh, I'd pay to see that. That is the Classic Rock Files, 94.3 The Drive Music Director, Mike Young. Thank you. Thank you.